today I want to I want us to focus on a specific thing that is very dear near to my heart that the Lord has been working in my life <clears throat> and I hope to share that with you. So we're in John chapter 4. Let's read together uh, verse 19. This is uh, Jesus talking to the woman at the well. It says, Sir, the woman replies to Jesus, I see that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place of worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus told her, Believe me, woman, an hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Verse 22. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. Verse 23, but an hour is coming and it is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Yes, the Father wants such people to worship him. Verse 24, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Let's pray. God, as we come today, as your people, we come to worship. God, in this, this, this term, this lifestyle that we have is so profound. God, I pray that through your word, you would teach us today. As you have taught us through your word, through your songs, I pray that this would also teach us. Open our hearts to receive your truth. Um, Father, we want to know you. We want to learn more from you. And we want to be sent out into the world to proclaim your name. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So like I said, uh, I served here for several years, as Blake mentioned. Uh, I even uh, married my wife uh, uh, here in this, in this stage, so it's like coming home for me. It's, it's truly amazing to be here, and uh, it is quite an honor to be here. And uh, a lot of what I did, I, I was an armor bearer, um, as you know, and now I guess that term is very well explained. Back then, we tried really hard to explain to everybody, what is an armor bearer? Um, but it was truly, truly a wonderful time in my life where I got to uh, experience behind the scenes what it was like to be a minister, what it was like to, to minister to people, to care for others. Now, my role was a little different. I was under Blake. And you're probably thinking, oh, man, right? But Blake is awesome, let me tell you. He, he, he puts on a serious face, but he's, he's a great guy. Um, and he really taught me that there was more there was more to this term that we call worship. Um, I, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I was born and raised in Mexico up until I was about 12 years old. I come from um, a family that's been in ministry for a long time. My grandfather was, uh, he passed away a couple of months ago, but he was a missionary and a pastor in Mexico. Uh, my father kind of followed suit as well, and he became a pastor. At some point, he was a church organist, and uh, at some point, he was a, a deacon and he was also amongst us here. And, um, and then I, I came along, and I, I didn't feel that call to ministry like they did. Uh, well, I did, but I avoided it. I didn't want to necessarily. I didn't think it was for me. I thought it was only for people who were holier and better and who had no wrong. And boy, was I wrong. So there came a time when this position for Amr Bearer showed up, and, and I took it, and I wanted to learn more. Uh, um, Blake like took me in and he started to teach me that there was more to this thing that we call worship. Uh, you see, worship is, is oriented by our longings and directed by our desires. To worship really is to be human. We all worship something, whether you like it or not. The question is not whether we will worship, but rather what we will worship. 
whom we will worship, and even how. This is, this is amazing. Um, worship is tied to our hearts. Now, for many of us, and this was the case with me, so I'm not pointing out anybody, but for many of us, when we say worship, we automatically think of music. Is that not true? We automatically think of the songs that we just sung. We automatically think of perhaps your playlist that you can find on iTunes, uh, the latest worship track that just came out, uh, the latest worship pads, the latest worship guitar. We've now assigned this term to the, the, the Christian music. And in a way, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. And that's not to say that when we sing, we aren't worshiping. But there is more to it than that. There's, it's, it's such a a deep and, and vast theological uh, statement, but also a doctrine. Uh, I know, Blake, you told me to stay away from those terms, but I can't help myself. A um, friend of mine said, worship is too heavy a doctrine for singing to carry. So song can, songs and, and, and what we do right before the preaching time cannot carry the weight of worship. So then what can, if that's the case? Um, we worship corporately, but we also do so as individuals. And so today, I want to take what is being said here by, by Jesus to the woman at the well, he's, as he's trying to explain something deeper than, than we all have uh, come to know, and also what the Israelite people had come to know. Um, so let's look at verse 21 real quick. <clears throat> Jesus tells the Samaritan woman that there was an hour that was coming when neither on the mountain of Jerusalem, neither on the mountain of the Samaritans, uh, God's people would come to worship him. Now, many people look at that and they quickly go, oh, that means that we don't have to go to church to worship God. You can't use that as an excuse to not come to church, okay? That's just, you can't do that. Uh, Hebrews reminds us that we cannot forsake the gathering. So what, then what is it trying to tell us? Well, at first glance, it's trying to tell us that the location is not what makes worship authentic or acceptable. Worship is not simply an external act that you can accomplish by going to a place. It is deeper than that. Now, to them, to the Israelite people, to the Samaritans, this was just shocking. You know, for so long, they worshiped at the temple. Uh, for the people of Jerusalem, for so long, God's presence was at the temple. And they went there to worship, and they went there to give their offerings. And that was how God had prescribed it. But there came a time when Israel's sin was too great. And God's presence was no longer there. Yet the people of Israel still went to the temple. They still wanted, you know, what was there before. They still wanted to worship in the old prescribed ways. Now at the time here in John chapter 4, uh, they still, people of Israel and the Samaritans, they would still come and worship God um, in the old ways. But it had become mere religion. It had become lip service but hearts far away from God. Sacrifice for sin, but no change ways. Everyone was following their own ways. And as uh, the Bible says, everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. Uh, if you have your Bibles, come with me to Matthew, uh, book of Matthew, chapter 15, verse 8. It says, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines, human commands. So it is possible that we can bring honor, glory to God with our lips, with our songs, with our prayers, plays, programs, creeds, confessions, and even this sermon this morning can bring glory and honor to God. 
But if our hearts, if my heart is far from him, then we are not truly worshiping God. God can and will reject our worship or simply not listen. And I know that's hard to swallow. That, I mean, that's, that's a hard truth. But it's biblical. Book of Amos in chapter 5, if you are following along with me, book of Amos chapter 5, verse 21, we see what God is telling his people. Their sin was too great, and he no longer wanted to hear from them. This is what the word of the Lord says. I hate, I despise your feasts. I can't stand the stench of your solemn assemblies. Even if you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. I will have no regard for your fellowship offerings of fattened cattle. Take away from me the noise of your songs. He calls it noise. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice flow like water and righteousness like an unfailing stream. Harsh words, right? I mean, here we are coming and offering God something, and he's saying, I don't want it. But what he's really saying is your hearts are far away from me, and I want your, I want your hearts close to me. Now, it has always been said when it comes to the business of of the Lord, there's always bad news, but that comes with good news. Go with me to the book of Ezekiel because I'm going to show you some good news that God had already prophesied long ago. The book of Ezekiel, chapter 36. Ezekiel 36, we're going to start at verse 26. And I don't know if we have the words. We do? Okay. We'll still go look for it. It's good practice. And so we're in Ezekiel, chapter 36, verse 26, and it says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. Do you see it? God, through Ezekiel, promises to give his people a new heart and a new spirit. Now, we said earlier that worship is to be human. And worship is tied to our hearts. That which we love the most will become what we worship. How many in here have been in love? Raise your hand if you've been in love. Oh, come on, there has to be more than that. <laughs> we all have been in love with something. I remember uh, when, when I started dating my wife, and I'm still in love with her, so I don't think this was a past tense thing. Uh, but when I started dating my wife, my longings, my desire, what I wanted to do, what I thought about, Everything around me changed. You know, I woke up in the morning and the first thing I did was check my phone to see if I had a message from her, a good morning text, or I would be the one to text her. Uh, any songs that I listened to reminded me of her. And I would, I would look for songs that would remind me of her. So if I didn't have uh, songs that would do that, then I would go look for them. I wanted to know about her. I wanted to know more about what, what, what made her happy, what made her sad, what was she like in different settings? You know, what could I do to make her happy? I didn't want to talk to anyone else. I didn't want to be with the boys anymore. I wanted to be with my girl, right? Come on, guys, you know that. And see, it's because our hearts and our spirit are tied together. So here in Ezekiel, the reason why God says we're going to give you a new heart is because of that, because our, our hearts are tied to our longing. K.A. Smith said once, whatever our heart clings to and confides in, that is really your God. So see, 
Maybe it's not your wife, but there, perhaps there's something that gets your attention all the time that you cannot wait to be with. Um, if, if you like cooking, all you want to do is go home and cook. If you like video games, all you want to do is go home and, and play some video games. Perhaps you love hunting and you cannot wait for that one time when you can go and, and shoot a deer, right? By the, by the way, if anybody wants to invite me, I've never done it. I'd love to do it. <clears throat> so worship is tied to our hearts. It's tied to our longings. And God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. He says he's going to turn our hearts from a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. This means that he's going to turn dead people alive. Amen for that. He turns spiritually dead people alive. This is what he means when he says turning a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. But then here's what he says next. God also said he would place his spirit within us. Have you ever thought about that? He says he will put his spirit within us. And how do we know that it's his spirit? Anywhere in the Bible that you see a capital S on spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. Anywhere in the Bible that you see a lowercase s, then that's any other spirit. All right? Got it? Cool. Let's move on. So look at verse 24. We're in John 4, verse 24. It says, God is spirit. And notice that's capital, lowercase spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit, capital S, and in truth. And Ezekiel promised that God would put his spirit in us. Now, do you know when that happens? When have you heard that the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us as a people of God? When we become new, when we're born again, we become newborn believers. So worshipers, true worshipers must and can only be newborn believers. When we are born again, the Holy Spirit comes, indwells us. We're given a new life. We make a 180 degree turn from what we wanted before. Our longings change. Our old life and our old ways now have changed and now are moved towards the will and by the will of God. We long and we desire to dive into the word of God every day. We want to learn more and more and more. Our longings are changed the same way that if for some of us have been in love. Like we just want that. We desire nothing more than God. And this is done by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I made an effort to make a list of things that the Holy Spirit does that are found in Scripture. So if you want to write them down, great. Here's uh, the list. Here's a few things the Holy Spirit does through us and for us. Holy Spirit adopts us. Romans 8, 14. The Holy Spirit comforts us. John 14, 16. The Holy Spirit directs our path. Acts 11, Acts 16. The Holy Spirit teaches us. John 14, 26, it changes, he changes us. Galatians 5, 22, he empowers us. Acts 1, 8, he liberates us. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, he unites us. 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and he sends us. Again, Acts 1, 8. And also, the Holy Spirit prays for us. So to worship in spirit, finally get to it, Caleb, we've been waiting for the reveal. To worship in spirit means to worship with a new heart. A heart that is changed, a heart that desires God, a heart that has new longings for God. And this is only done by the Spirit. You, you want to know how I know that? Let's go to, uh, um, well, I had it, now I lost it. 
Okay. Never mind. Forget that part. But we are given a new spirit, new desires. We're born again. This means that at some point we heard the gospel. We responded in repentance and confession of sin. And now we have the Holy Spirit that guides our path and that changes us forever. And this all happens through the washing and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Now, you might be wondering, what does this mean? How do I do it? I know as Baptists, we're afraid of the Holy Spirit a little bit. We don't want to talk about it a whole lot because of our Pentecostal brothers and sisters. And uh, we don't want to overuse it, so therefore we don't really uh, depend on the Holy Spirit. But he is in us, and he is for us. And we need to be filled in this, by the Spirit. Titus 3.5 says, He saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing and regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. And Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, you might be wondering, how, do I, how am I filled with the Spirit? When we are born again, yes, the Holy Spirit comes, dwells in us. But, you know, Titus meant something when he says we must be filled with the Spirit. Um, and I come to think of this a little bit. If you have a glass and you fill it with water, you have a glass full of water. Duh. Now, if you have that, if you only have one glass and you would like some milk, what do you have to do? You have to empty the glass of water, right? You have to empty the glass in order to pour milk on it. What happens if you try to pour that milk on that glass that's full of water? You're going to make a mess, right? It's, it's going to pour in, and you might get some of the milk, but you're probably going to get most of the water, and the milk's going to spill out. In the same way, we need to be filled with the Spirit, and we must get rid of the things that are keeping the Spirit from filling us. And that is our sin. Sin comes and gets in the way. You cannot feel something that is already full. So we need to be a sin-confessing people. If you're taking notes and you want to have some takeaways for today, here's the first one. True worshipers must confess their sin in order to be filled and effectively led by the Spirit. This means that we need to be purified. You see... What Jesus was trying to teach this woman is that we ourselves would become the temple of God. We ourselves would house the Holy Spirit. That's, that's what it is. That's what it is. No longer will the people have to go to a place to worship God, and that is the only place that you, the only place that you worship. But now we house the Holy Spirit. Now we get to worship through our lives. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That is your true worship. So we need to be purified. You see, this is much bigger than just, hey, uh, you no longer have to go to the temple. It's that salvation was coming to everyone, not just the Jews. Is that we ourselves would house the Holy Spirit, that God would do a work in us, change through us for the glory of his kingdom, for the glory of God. And like I said, sin can sometimes get in the way, but therefore we must be purified. And I believe Jesus was trying to help this woman confess her sin. Look at uh, verse 16, John 4, verse 16, just a couple of verses before that. He tells her, go call your husband and come back here. And she says, I don't have a husband. 
And he answers, you have said correctly, I don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not even your husband. What you have said is true. See, God, through, his, through the Holy Spirit, tries to point out the sin in our lives. The things that he wants to work on us, that we need to change, that he needs to purify. But sometimes we do like this woman. And you notice he points out her sin, and the first thing she says is, Sir, I see that you're a prophet. What a gift to change the subject. Many of us do that. God, I, I want to I wanna be for you. I want to worship you. I want nothing else but you. Oh, confess certain things or change your ways in this area. Oh, man. Hmm. But I love you, Lord. <laughs> we don't want to get to the nitty-gritty of things. But God wants everything. He wants all of us. He wants everything about us. 1 Corinthians 6.19, just to help drive home the point. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. So glorify God with your body. We just sang about it, Man of Sorrows. That song embodies everything we're teaching today. So present your bodies as a living sacrifice every day and one that is acceptable to God. You see, the reason why God was telling us that we must worship in spirit is because there is no limit to what God can do when we are spirit-filled people working for him. Look at what the apostles did in Acts 4.31. And I'm going to give you a little bit of time to find it because I really want you to see this. Acts 4.31. We get a glimpse of what the Holy Spirit does through his people. And it's amazing. Acts 4.31 says, when they had prayed, this is speaking of the apostles, the place where they were assembled was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. Now the entire group of those who uh, believed were of one heart and one mind and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. So you see, when, when they, were, they were indwelled with the Holy Spirit, they spoke boldly for the Lord. In the same way, when we as his people need to speak boldly of the Lord, and only, we can only do that through the Holy Spirit. We can shake things up in the world when we walk as spirit-filled people. So you see, worshiping God is much more than the wonderful truth that the temple is and now the only place we can worship God is that God himself gives us his spirit we ourselves have become a temple. We have become his people. He enables us to be alive again and propels us to do the Father's will. Because like I said, on our own, we can't do that. We, we, we on our own cannot have longings for God. We have to be changed by the Holy Spirit. So that's our worship in spirit. But the equation said also it has to be in truth, right? So though... We are born again. We are still human. We can still make mistakes. We can still sin. We can't just think our right way to worship. True believers, we have to recalibrate our minds daily in order to have the right view of God. Uh, we, we read Romans 12.1 a little bit ago. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. 
The renewing of our minds happens through God's word. This is our, this is our baseline for truth, and I would say this is our only truth. I love that song, on Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. This is the solid rock. I'm pointing to my Bible, by the way, not the iPad, just so you know. True worshipers must worship rightly, and it only happens through the word of God and by the spirit. John 14, 16 says, I will ask the Father, and he will send you another counselor, speaking of the Holy Spirit, to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because he, do, he doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be with you. And then just a chapter later in 15, 26, it says, when the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me, says Jesus. So the Spirit comes and pushes us, guides us, directs us, everything in our lives, our path, and points us to the truth. And remember, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. So the Spirit points us to Jesus. The Spirit points us to the truth. So, okay, Caleb, you've given us some wonderful verses that we can write down, and you've explained what it means to be Uh, a person, an individual, a true worshiper who worships in spirit and in truth. You told us it's not really just about music, but how we live our lives. How does this apply to my life and every day? I am so glad you asked. You see, when we wake up each morning as newborn believers, we should be a people that wakes up in the morning and the first thought in our minds is, what is God telling me today? And we open the word and we read the word and we get ready for our day. Uh, If you work or whatever you may do and you go out into the world praying and asking uh, the spirit to guide you after confessing your sins, after confessing anything that you might have done that could prevent you from being led by the spirit. And you go out into the world and every interaction you have, you speak boldly of Jesus. And not just speak boldly of Jesus, but your life is changed. Your life now is a life that when people look at you, they go, there is something different about him. I'm not sure what it is, but there's something different about him. And then they find out that you go to church, that you believe in Christ, and that he has changed you. And they say, I want that change for me. Every interaction you have, your coworker, when you go to Walmart and, and you deal with all that mess, and I know what it's like to go to Walmart. Don't go on Black Friday. It's crazy. Um, when you go to Kroger, anywhere you go, even when you see that homeless man that you try to avoid every time you go down Main Street, every interaction should be a gospel interaction, and you must speak boldly of Jesus. And you do this Monday, and you do this Tuesday, and you do this Wednesday, and, and you continually come and renew your longings for God through the word and by the spirit, and you get to Saturday and you say, I am tired. I am tired. I've been proclaiming God's word every day this week, and I am tired. And then you come here on Sunday, and guess what? We worship corporately. So throughout the week, you've been worshiping individually, you yourself. And then you come on Sunday, and you see brothers and sisters who have been in battle all week. And you encourage one another through the reading of the word, through psalms, through, through hymns, spiritual songs, 
You sing together. You look at one another and you listen to the word of God together and the spirit keeps you united. You're refreshed and you're ready to go out into the world and do it all over again because that's what we're called to do. You see, true worshipers are ready and eager to serve God. And we see this even with this woman who was a sinner. On verse 25, uh, I'm sorry, verse 28 of John 4 says, the woman left the water jar. Didn't she go to the well to get water? Right? She was there to get water. She left the jar. She goes into the town and tells the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? I know of a similar response and one of my favorite ones in Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, go with me to Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6 is a well-known chapter. Is where uh, the prophet Isaiah gives us a glimpse of, of who God is and what it's like to be in, in, uh, in his presence. And so God reveals himself to Isaiah in the first few verses. Uh, then Isaiah in chapter 5, um, verse 5, he realizes, I am a sinner. And we get that famous line, woe is me for I am ruined. I am a man of unclean lips. And then we get uh, to chapter, uh, verse 6, his sin is atoned for. And then in verse 8, the Lord says, uh, Then I heard a voice of the Lord asking, Who should I send? Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, Here I am, send me. Now notice he didn't say, Hey Lord, um, I got this thing, but after that, send me. He didn't say that. He said, Here I am, send me. I tried to think of, of an example of what that looks like and you're going to think I'm silly, but yeah, y'all ever watch that movie Shrek? Okay, yes, you have. So there's a part in the first, and I'm talking about the first Shrek, the original, not the other crazy stuff that happened after that. So in Shrek, you know, he meets Donkey, and he doesn't like Donkey, who is Eddie Murphy, and he talks a lot. And uh, there's all these creatures that are, that are hanging out now at Shrek's house. And Shrek just wants peace. He's an introvert. Some of us are like that. It's Okay. We don't want anybody around. We don't want anybody to make noise or change our lifestyle. And, and here comes this order from the Lord Farquaad who makes all these people be there. And uh, Shrek wants to go and change this. And so they say, well, you have to go talk to Lord Farquaad. And um, Shrek doesn't know where this is. And he goes, okay, does anybody know where we can find Lord Farquaad? And the only one that knows is the guy he doesn't like. And Donkey starts jumping. Oh, pick me. Oh, pick me. Does anyone else know where it's, you know? In a way, I feel like, I feel like Isaiah is like donkey. He's like, oh, me, send me. Don't think of anybody else. It doesn't matter if anybody else knows. I am the one that wants to go and do your will, Lord. I live among a people who are sinners. I live among a people who don't know who you are. But I have seen the Holy King, and I want to tell them about them. That's who we should be. We should be like Isaiah. We should be like this woman that even though we went to the store to get something, we drop it because we want to tell somebody about Jesus. True worshipers are in the business of the Lord and are ready and eager to serve the Lord. They will also edify and grow God's kingdom. And I know I've gone over 30 minutes. I'm working on it. And we said, you know, the human heart is tied to how we worship. It's tied to our spirit, to our longings. The human heart is an idol factory, ladies and gentlemen. But we are saved to worship. And you see 
our individual worship affects our corporate worship. It affects who we are as a people. Our own personal longings and desires now are cast aside as we become newborn believers with, indwelled with the Holy Spirit seeking the truth of the one who saved us. Church, we live in a time of great spiritual need. Uh, I just have a few questions I want to ask, and this is not to condemn anybody. This is more for your own personal reflection. But how genuine are our concerns for lost men and women in our city, in Lufkin, in Longview, in Texas? How real are our prayers of concern for the church and its testimony in the world? Are you worried for the spiritual well-being of your family, of your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, or even that homeless man I spoke about earlier? So here's a few questions for you. What are you doing with the spiritual light and awareness that God has given you? Are you being led by the Spirit? Have you even asked that question before today? Are you regulating that by the truth of God? And what is your response to the gospel? Are we responding eagerly like Isaiah and saying, here I am, send me. I want to be the one to tell them that it is what it means to worship in spirit and in truth. It means that we will now respond with new longings for God, with love, ultimate love for God, and we want to do his will only, guided by the truth. You know, every year, today's January 2nd, every year I create a, a, a list of things that I'm going to do differently. Last year I was going to lose 40 pounds. Didn't work. I think I gained 40 pounds. And, uh, and there were other things that I wrote down in my New Year's resolutions. Um, but I noticed one thing about them. It's that every year I've made resolutions and they were about me and what I could do to change me. But you see, the gospel is different. The gospel says, God says, I'm going to give you a new heart. And I'm going to give you new longings. And I'm going to give you new desires for me. All I require is for you to surrender. Have you surrendered? Do you desire the will of God? Do you want to live for him? How will you respond to God's revelation and to his call of the gospel? If you need prayer today, prayer partners are going to be in the Welcome Center. I would love for us to stand and pray together as we have received God's word. Bow your heads, close your eyes. God, we have come today to worship. And we understand who you are and what you have done for us. Father, I pray that we will become a people that worship you, not only on Sundays, not only uh, when the music is playing, not only when we're praying, Father, that, that we will worship you with our lives, that we would be a people who offer themselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. Father, give us a heart to surrender to you Renew us, change us. Because only you that can do it. No one else. 
We love you, Lord. May you be the one to guide us and change us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's sing.